Today we're with Faith Pincus, and thank you for being with us, Faith. Thank you for having me. I'll start out just by uh, asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, career, uh, and yeah. Okay. So I uh, am a former political consultant straight out of college. I did a lot of political consulting, uh, ran campaigns, wrote speeches, spoke on behalf of my candidates, uh, coached them on how to speak, that sort of thing. And then I got my master after that. I got my master's in rhetoric and public speaking communication, basically. And then I went on to start working on a PhD in rhetoric, which is persuasion. It's not the bad word that everybody uses in the media. It actually just means persuasion. And so I was about halfway through my PhD in rhetoric at the University of Iowa when I decided to switch uh, and become a lawyer. Um, and I still don't know why. <laughs> Other than I decided that I just didn't want to be an academic and I wanted to, to do other things. So, and everybody said I'd make a good lawyer, which is not the brightest reason to become a lawyer. <laughs> so anyway, I got my law degree and I went on to work for a federal district judge and worked for a big law in downtown LA. And then I decided that I just wanted uh, to do something different. So I created my company, which is a continuing legal education seminar business. And because it's my company, I get to also teach public speaking and coach clients and teach attorneys how to speak uh, better, whether it's in court or out of court. And so that's sort of my trajectory over the course of almost three decades. Wow. So now, uh, being where you are at this point, do you uh, regret it? It doesn't sound like it. <laughs> no, you know, I mean, you. it's good to do different things in your life. You know, I loved being a political consultant, but I was a lot younger then, and right. I don't know that I'd have the energy to put in 15-hour days every day for eight months straight. So, um, and I liked being an attorney. I just, big law wasn't for me, and it's it's for some people and not for other people. But, uh, but you know, it was intellectually stimulating, especially when I worked for the federal district court judge. That was very interesting and intellectually stimulating. So, and then, you know, owning your own business has its ups and has its downs. But, you know, the CLE business, we put on 35 programs all over the country. And, you know, my favorite one, of course, is teaching public speaking. The rest of them <laughs> are taught by judges and attorneys. I don't teach them there on a variety of different topics. So I get to meet a lot of people, and it's really an interesting an interesting uh, thing to do. I've had this continuing legal education business for 15 years, and I've been coaching people in public speaking and teaching them how to write their presentations and things along those lines now for almost 30 years. So, And that's really my favorite thing to do is help people become better public speakers. So that's more fun than running a business, let me tell you that. <laughs> well, congratulations on doing uh, something that you love every day. I uh, want to ask you, so your background in, in rhetoric may be uh, the reason behind this, but did you always uh, see the importance of public speaking skills in the courtroom or was there, uh, is this something like once you were in the courtroom, you noticed that maybe there are people who could use some more <laughs> skill set in that area or, or what, what led to that? Well, a couple things. One, I clerked for a federal judge, and what that means when you're clerking for a judge is you spend a lot of time in the courtroom watching uh, attorneys speak. They present motions, and any attorney that's listening to this will know what I'm talking about. They uh, argue in front of the judge. Yeah, that's basically what they do. And then, of course, they argue in front of a jury and try to convince them. And so I sat through a lot 
of argument to my attorneys for a year and a half in front of a judge. And I saw a lot of them do okay, and I saw a lot of them not do so well that could have improved their speaking. And then, you know, over, so that's sort of what kicked it off. But then over the course of throwing all these continuing education seminars, a lot of them are litigation-based. There's different topics, but a lot are litigation-based. And I almost always have judges and also law clerks teach as well as attorneys. And listening to the judges over and over and over and over, they all say the same thing on the law clerks. And it was, you know, a lot of what I learned when I clerked for a judge and a lot of what I just know about public speaking in itself because of my background in public speaking. And so over the course of that, I realized there were a lot of things that attorneys could do better to become more persuasive, more effective, reach their audience in the courtroom and out of the courtroom. For attorneys, the speaking isn't just in the courtroom. There's, you know, there are oral arguments and there's trials, but there's all sorts of speaking outside of the courtroom when they're talking to their clients or, say, doing a training for their clients' employees or teaching at a CLE program or speaking to the industry that they happen to represent. There's all sorts of places where attorneys, especially, not just especially, but in addition, in-house counsel that works for major corporations, they end up having to do a lot of presentations to other attorneys across the country or across the world in their corporations. So there's a lot of different places. But back to the courtroom, I just saw attorneys, a lot of attorneys, do things that they shouldn't have done and that they could have done better. And then as I listened to the judges, and every time I'd have a judge at a seminar, I'd invite them to lunch and ask them to tell me their best story and their worst story of attorneys in the courtroom. And invariably, they always told me the worst story. That's what they remembered. And they all kind of said the same thing. So it was time to help attorneys become better at public speaking. Well, I guess it kind of just dawned on me now, but this is one of the scenarios and I guess the professions that your ability to communicate effectively can have big consequences in either direction. Yeah, it is. And a lot of attorneys don't, they don't really get it. Attorneys, you know, or attorneys are really smart. We've gone through a lot. Law school is really tough and passing the bar is very tough. And so, you know, we're all very smart people. And But what that does is it makes a lot of attorneys think they don't need to learn oral communication skills. They just take take it for granted and think that because they're smart enough to pass the bar, they don't really need to learn this skill. But this, uh, public speaking is a skill just like cooking, golf, uh, music. I mean, you don't, you're not innately, you know, there are a few people that are innately talented when it comes to public speaking, but they're few and far between and everybody else needs to learn this skill. And a lot of attorneys don't think that they need to learn the skill, but they do. And the ones that I work with are fantastic. And they, you know, they improve with every single coaching session or every single seminar and, and as well as coaching with other people that know public speaking and the law together. You, you kind of need the combo as far as uh, improving your skills within the courtroom. Outside of the courtroom, you don't. Um, but inside of the courtroom, you need somebody who knows both the law, you know, the, the legal field and communication skills. But... So, you know, some attorneys know they need it and some attorneys don't know they need it, but that's just inherent in our educational system. They don't teach us that in law school. So you learn once you're out of law school how important it is. Right. Um, well, what are some things that you think educators, whether in law school or uh, just in general, could do to best prepare college students uh, as they head out into the real world? 
Let me start with non-law school college students because that's a little easier. The college professors that I came across both in my own education, my own graduate work, as well as at conferences and stuff, all were really, really good at teaching their students public speaking skills, presentation skills. There's sort of some things that are just innate in public speaking, the way that what creates a good speech, good presentation. And the college professors I came across were all great at it. The one thing that I would say where, and of course I don't have a survey of the entire country, but the one thing I'd say where they seemed to fall down was encouraging their students. One thing that can be done, if it's not already being done, is encouraging their students to seek out every public speaking opportunity they can once they're out and they've graduated. And because public speaking skills do a lot of things for you. One, you just become more confident. The more you speak and the more successful you are at speaking, the more confidence is instilled in you. And the other is it's been shown again and again and survey after survey shows that people that can speak in public well advance their careers further along and faster than people that don't. So encouraging students to go out and speak every chance they get will help them have better careers and more successful careers. And it's just not something that, you know, when you graduate college, you really think about is, oh, you know, I can't wait to go speak in public. But it is something that people graduating college should seek out in an effort to become better communicators and importantly to advance their careers because it's the top two things are oral communication skills and written communication skills and survey after survey as far as what employers want. Right. That's become sort of a theme in our recent episodes. Uh, our last guest actually talked about how public speaking is really the magic bullet. It is the thing that will separate you from your peers. You know, everyone focuses on doing all these extracurriculars and keeping their GPA up. But if you really focus on your especially public speaking skills, but your ability to communicate, that separates you possibly more so than the others. Absolutely. And one thing I'll say about that is some of the best when it comes to, and I forgot to talk about law school communication. I was only talking about outside of, you know, some non-law school college education. But one of the things I'll say as far as the lawyers go is, and even law students, the, the students that get into speech and debate, and they get on the speech and debate team, and not debate, just the public speaking side of it, because speech and debate is just what it sounds like. There's Part of it is um, debate, and part of the students that aren't doing debate are just doing public speaking competitions and things along those lines. Those are the best public speakers I see in the courtroom and outside of the courtroom, whether they're you know a lawyer or not a lawyer, because they've already been trained, but they're just few and far between. It's rare that a college student gets involved in the speech and debate team, but if you really want to succeed, that's where you're going to learn the skill, and that's where you're going to get the practice and the confidence, and you'll you'll graduate college far and above, you know, way ahead of everybody else that graduates college, and the same with law school. And back to law school as far as uh, what law, law professors can do better to improve if they're not already doing it. I'm sure somebody already, some already are, but for those that aren't, for, for law students, law students just aren't taught how to speak in public. It's just not, even trial advocacy course uh, classes don't really get into the, the skills, the techniques. Instead, they're just sort of thrown and said, okay, argue this motion, argue this, argue that, and they get feedback, but they're not taught step-by-step the skills you need to present in court or to present outside of court. 
they've never really been trained so the best thing that law professors can do and especially law schools is develop courses that are focused solely on training their law students how to present in public whether it's in court or out of court and and not just trial advocacy actual specific courses related to public speaking or advance and expand their trial advocacy so the beginning of it teaches the public speaking skills for the courtroom before you then throw the students into the actual you know competition and and practice oral arguments they're not really practice or when I did oral advocacy in law school we were just sort of thrown into it okay here's your case write your brief stand up and argue these are the things you did wrong but nowhere in that process did the professor stop and say okay before we get into stand up and argue let's practice and let's do all these different things so you learn the skills then you can stand up and do the argument and then we can work with you on how to improve the argument and then stand up and do it again and then do it again which is what I do with my clients and I just I never saw it in law school it doesn't mean it doesn't happen but it doesn't happen often put it that way okay so beyond just sort of a persuasive speech in general what what difference what maybe nuances are there in specifically a courtroom setting versus just maybe a special occasion or even in just a general debate what would be the difference in that and actually being in those four walls of the courtroom right so the courtroom is interesting especially you know related to public speaking and there's a couple things first let's talk about similarities public speaking is public speaking is public speaking regardless of what setting you're in there are certain skills that just flow across the board how you organize using transitions your three points your 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 presence your delivery all of those are the same across the board but where things differ in the courtroom is first you learn all of that and then what you learn is there's certain things you can't do in the courtroom that you do do elsewhere mm-hmm. there's certain rhetorical techniques like repetition and things things along those lines that you just they're not going to fly in the courtroom the judge wants you to get to the point the way you organize your presentation the judge wants you to you need to start with the most important point and then move on from there because you might never get to anything else so how you organize it what you emphasize as far as motion argument goes differs when you're talking to a jury it's actually very very similar to talking outside the courtroom because you're just trying to persuade so you're going to follow the same patterns and you're going to you're going to follow the same patterns and use the same rhetorical techniques which you really should be using things along those lines but there's then there's just certain rules in the courtroom that you have to abide by how you do things introducing yourself talking about your client so that's one of the big differences it's just the rules and being cognizant of the rules and um, during motion practice when you're arguing a motion in front of a judge uh, then again there's certain limitations you have uh, like whether or not you can move around the room that sort of thing and the justice at the appellate level so those are the main differences okay that's interesting I hadn't thought about uh, repetition for example you might want to limit that especially when talking to the judge uh, it maybe it's that but what are other or you mentioned earlier that everyone remembers the mistakes and there's a lot of those same mistakes what are those common mistakes that you see in the courtroom in the courtroom you know I, there's 
two really, the biggest mistakes, the biggest pet peeves of judges, what I've heard them say, what I've seen, there's two really big ones. One is not knowing their case, not knowing your case well enough. Attorneys are really busy. They might not, you know, but from the time between when you write the brief, um, which is the argument you put in writing that you give to the judge, and the time that you actually then stand in front of the judge and argue it, it can be months. Sometimes it's not months. Sometimes it is months, depending on whether or not things get delayed. And so a lot of attorneys walk in the courtroom and they don't know their case inside out or they haven't looked that morning or the day before to see if there's any case law that has changed between when they wrote the brief and when they argued. So it's one of the top two complaints is they need to, attorneys need to really, really know their case. Know all the case sites, write a cheat sheet that has all the case sites, the exact page in the case as well as the exact page that you've discussed it and you've quoted it in your brief. And, you know, also know your opponent's arguments inside and out. But that's number one. And number two is not answering the questions. And they're tied. So it's really 1A and 1B. Judges despise it when attorneys don't answer their questions. And it just blows their credibility out the door. The attorney's credibility is just shot. It harms their relationship with the court, with the judge. And it doesn't get their, it doesn't most importantly accomplish what they need to accomplish. The judge is your audience. That's who you are arguing to. They're your audience. And so when they ask you a question, that's a big red flag. That's them saying, I want to know about this. I want to know about that. And at that point, you know, you should basically toss away your presentation, not completely, but for the most part, and engage in the conversation with the judge and answer their questions because that's what's going to get you, you know, where you want to go with your motion. Their questions are the things in their mind that are going to help them decide in favor of you or against you. And if you don't answer those questions, then they can't get the information they need to make that decision. In addition, you're really irritating them and they feel like that you are not being honest or you're, you know, you're sidestepping things. So even if the facts of your case or the question is going to go against you and is difficult because it's not the strongest point of your case, you still have to answer it and you have to answer it directly. And if you disagree or you have something, you disagree with the assumption the judge has made or you want to distinguish the case or the argument or whatever, you answer it yes or no. And then you go on to say, however, Your Honor, that case is different from this situation in this situation, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, if they ask you a question that deserves a yes or no answer, you give them that yes or no answer and then you go on to explain if, you know, go on to explain if it's something that is against you, go on to explain why it doesn't matter, it doesn't count. If it's something that's in your favor, answer it and then shush up and move on because if the judge, you know, just needs a yes or no and it's in your favor, you don't need to expound upon it and you run the risk of blowing your case out the door. There have been a lot of judges that talk to me about, you know, they've got a tentative in front of and the attorneys have won or it's clear that the attorney is winning and then the attorney just keeps talking on and on and on and doesn't just shush up and sit down and they blow their case because they, you know, they just do. So that's it. There's lots more I can say, but those are the two top errors that attorneys make inside the courtroom. And boy, they're big and attorneys make them all the time. How about in general as you're coaching individuals, are there different things that you see in general that people just tend to do over and over that they could improve upon? 
Yeah, it's funny when I coach people. Whenever I coach somebody or a law firm brings me in and I do group coaching or you know individual coaching, whatever it is, everybody always comes to me and they say, I, I know how to write a speech. I just want to become better at delivering it. I just I need to have a better presence or I need to be more persuasive when I speak, you know, in my in my delivery. And they're wrong. <laughs> With the exception of one person over the course of fifteen years, that's not the case. The you have to work on organizing your presentation, and that's where a lot of people fall down, is not organizing their presentation in a manner in which their audience can really follow and understand. And you can't be persuasive, or you can't even educate. Say you don't want to persuade, you just want to educate and inform. You can't do that unless you are organized and the, your audience can understand you. And there's some basic principles about how to organize a presentation. I mean, any, any instructor in public speaking knows uh, innately, it, you've got to tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and tell them what you told them. I mm -hmm. mean, it's a formula that's been around for hundreds of years, no longer. And so, what I find is not enough people realize that you have to be really organized. So they'll what they'll do instead is put too much in their presentation, or they'll open up PowerPoint and write their presentation in PowerPoint, which is just the worst mistake you can possibly make. <laughs> Or they, you know, they don't use transitions. They don't use all the things they need to. And there's something that you know people need to understand when it comes to speaking in public, and really in or out of court. But especially, you know, in this context, we're talking about out of court. Your audience will forgive poor delivery. They might be a little irritated by it, or maybe they'll be bored if you've got monotone or whatever. But they'll forgive you if you've given them content in a way in which they can understand you. So. If you're organized and you're giving them good content and giving them the information they need, they will forgive a bad delivery. But it's not the reverse. Say you're brilliant in delivering your speech. You're out there and you've got a great presence and, and you're wowing and you've got all this energy. But if you have nothing that if they, you're not communicating anything of value or you're not organized, so even if you are communicating something of value, people can't understand you or follow you, they're not going to forgive you. I went to a presentation once a conference and this guy was terrific as far as you know his presence and his moving around the stage and and you know he had it down for his delivery he said absolutely nothing content wise and I just I, it drove me nuts listening to it because it was a waste of my time mm -hmm. so you know that's where people will fall down if they focus on oh I need to improve my delivery and yes you probably do lots of people need to improve their del delivery and there's little things you can do and there's big things you can do but you still have to make sure you've got the foundation and you've organized the presentation and you people can understand it and a lot of people also put too much in their presentations and so that's another reason why it's hard to follow. Do you think maybe part of putting too much into a presentation is a certain level of anxiety? You're worried about what's going to happen when you get in front of everyone so you want to just load it up with information? You know, that's that's a good explanation. That's one of the reasons. Another reason is just when people are creating their presentations, you know, attorneys or executives or nonprofits, wherever you are, a lot of times you're so intimately involved in your topic and you know so much about it, you just want to talk about it all the time. And you just want to, you know, you want to talk a lot about it. And so you shove a lot into that presentation because you really want to educate or inform or persuade whoever your audience is, and so you overdo it. And that's the other reason why people uh, can put too much into the presentation. 
and I have a whole method of you know how to avoid that that's in the book I'm in a step-by-step method of how to avoid that so. so tell us more about your book it's called being heard yeah being heard presentation skills for attorney attorneys uh, it, well it took me a long time to write because <laughs> I love speaking a lot more than I like writing so but the American Bar Association published it I, I believe or we believe I'm one of the only people in the country that that coaches and teaches presentation skills that is both an attorney and uh, has a long time background in presentation skills and you know graduate work master's degree that sort of stuff so it you know it gives me the the double advantage there and so as far as the book itself you know the first half is are all about presentation skills and that part of the book will help anybody and some of the testimonials on my on the book themselves from the people that previewed it uh, said the same thing. So that, those are the, the foundational skills that you need to learn as an attorney or not an attorney, an executive or nonprofit or whomever. Those are the foundational skills you need to know to then create and deliver your presentation. And then the second half of the book is related very specifically to attorneys. And I have other attorneys that have written some chapters, judge that's written a chapter about opening statements, and then, you know, I've compiled a couple chapters based on my experience in the courtroom and, and all of the different interviews I've done with judges and justices across the country over the years. So, that's the basics of the book. <laughs> okay, so something in there for everybody, especially in that first part. Basically, yeah, you know. Where can people learn more or find a copy of your book? You can get it, well, the usual, Amazon, <laughs> in you know, Kindle or regular format. The American Bar Association has it in ebook and paperback format, and they give a discount to American Bar Association members, so anyone that's an ABA member that's listening to this, you can buy it directly from them. And we sell it with my company on my website as well, which is pinkusproed.com. P is in Paul, I N. C-U-S-P-R-O-E-D.com. So we sell it as well, but only in paperback version. But if you buy it from us, you get a signed copy. Okay. And we'll put those links uh, on our page as well. And how can people contact you, our listeners? They want to reach out and ask additional questions. Is there an email address or... Sure. Uh, so the, the name of the company is Pinkus Professional Education. And you, I can be reached at the office, 626 298 That's 626-298-6353. I'm in California on California time, so calling at 6 in the morning isn't going <laughs> to, we're not going to answer. But, uh, and the other thing is you can, I can just reach me by email, which is faith at pinkusproed.com. So F is in Frank, A-I-T-H at pinkusproed.com, P as in Paul, I, N as in Nancy, C as in Kat, U, S as in Sam, P again, R, O, E, D as in dog, dot com. So pinkusproed.com, short for Pinkus Professional Education. And then the website has our contact, contact information as well. If you just Google my name, you'll be able to find me that way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for that, and thank you for joining us today. I've really appreciated uh, your unique perspective in the courtroom. It's uh, it's enlightened me on some things that I hadn't really thought about. Not, you know, I don't interact uh, with attorneys or in the courtroom every day, and many of our listeners may not, but I think it's incredibly interesting, and I appreciate your perspective in general, too, about public speaking and communication skills. 
Thanks, Tyler. I, thank you very much for asking me to do this. I think what you're doing with your website is fantastic and important and needed. I think that, you know, the power of public speaking.com is you, you know, your address, power of public speaking is a really great idea, and we need more of that. There are, you know, we just need more people advocating how important it is to become better public speakers and how to do it and things along those lines. So I really appreciate you asking me to join you on the podcast, and think you're, you're, what you guys are doing is terrific. Absolutely, and thank you very much.